Welcome back, back, back to Young Money Mindset, hosted by Luke Correggio and Robbie Holtcross. From, from, from the ground up, where we talk about mindset, real estate, the hustle, and everything to help you achieve your dreams. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Young Money Mindset. I am your host here, Luke Correccia. And I am your co-host here, Robbie Holy Cross. So today we're going to be chatting about um, all the Zillow news out there right now. We're also going to be cha- talking about um, what books have kind of changed our day-to-day lives and uh, kind of what we found value in those books and also overcoming self-doubt. So stay tuned. We got a really good podcast for you guys today. Um, let's jump right into it, Robbie. So kind of talk about the Zillow news, what's going on, kind of what are the big uh, takeaways here? Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen the big news articles, and, and really the big thing that's happening here is Zillow is actually cutting their iBuying program. Um, so we saw, their, we saw their stocks plummet. Um, we've seen that they're cutting this iBuying program, and they've actually recorded that on uh, 66% of the listings that they've taken on here, they're going to be recording a loss for this year. Um, so super interesting to see. It kind of makes you question, you know, what was the thought process behind that? Where were they, where were they taking this? What, what were they trying to do with the market? So in, in my opinion, kind of what I saw was it, it almost seemed like they were trying to skew the prices to almost drive up the value of the properties in certain neighborhoods. Um, but what I actually saw happen in here in Phoenix, at least, was that a lot of these appraisers weren't even using those properties as comparable properties. Um, those iBuyer properties they weren't using. So that's Open Door, Offer Pad, Zillow, all these all these big corporations like that are that are cashing people out, right? Yeah. So I mean, we we really saw Zillow stock price fall from uh, you know one month ago was at 105.72, down 24.9 percent in the last month, all the way down to 66.58. I actually thought about picking up some Zillow stock after watching, <laughs> you know, the news and everything developed me and Robbie in the office here. We're like, ah, maybe we should, you know, take a look at Zillow here and, and, um, you know, maybe, you know, get, get some stock while it's, uh, at a low here. But I mean, really what we've found is Zillow cutting that iBuyer program, you know, kind of had a lot of realtors on the edge of their seats because we know statistically about 70 to 80% of the time people will actually go with their first contact in real estate. And that is just anything for any uh, any newer agents out there like us that are listening to the podcast. Just keep that in mind always that, you know, usually a consumer will go with the first person they speak with. So if you can be that that first point of contact, it is so valuable. But um, back to Zillow here. I mean, they were that that person, right? I mean, they had a really good thing going for them. You know, they kind of had the market cornered in a sense that, you know, they were the most popular platform for consumers to take a look at houses on. I'm sure, Robbie, you've probably gotten the, the text message of like, hey, I saw, I found this house on Zillow. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, get the hell off of Zillow. I've been sending the listings. Why are you looking <laughs> <know>. at Zillow? <laughs> like, are you looking at my listings here? I've been shooting over a ton to you. So uh, a lot of times those are two already sold. I always tell my clients like, hey, you know, Zillow is a for-profit company. Unfortunately, when a house does sell, you know, they're actually incentivized to keep it on their their website. If if it's getting a lot of clicks and keeping people on the website, it just ultimately drives profit to their bottom line. So um, really crazy news out of the, the real estate world here today, guys. I mean, it's just crazy to think that Zillow is going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars on this. Yeah, and it's been kind of a, a relief to us realtors here, right? I don't know if any of you guys are real estate guys. I'm sure you've heard of Kevin Ward. He actually had a podcast um, probably a couple months back now. 
um, where he was kind of talking about how Zillow was going to start offering their Zestimates to people to where you could just go online. Currently, Zillow is you know the number one source for buyers. And when I kind of heard this news come out, I was like, well, shoot, now they're going to be the number one source for sellers, right? And you just touched on that stat. It's something like 75 80% of buyers and sellers are going to go with their first contact as far as a realtor. Um, so what I kind of saw that happening was um, if, if, you know, if they're the number one source for buyers already and sellers now know that they can go on there and request a cash offer, Zillow's not actually going to give them that cash offer, right? They're going to they're gonna contact one of their Zillow Premier agents or something like that, and they're going to send somebody out to run a real competitive market analysis and maybe not give you that full Zestimate. But at the end of the day, you're the first contact. That's who they're going to go with, right? You're providing them value, and, and they see that. And at the end of the day, the, the comps and everything that a Zillow Premier agent's going to bring to them is the same that any of us are going to bring to them, right? Um, so it kind of was – we were a little fearful that that would kind of take a little bit of the market share. So it's kind of been nice to hear that they're cutting that program um, and maybe won't affect us realtors here you know, as much as we originally thought. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean my heart goes out to all the staff over there. If anyone from Zillow is listening to our podcast, shout out to you first yeah, and foremost. 25% of them in Seattle are, are, yeah. are being let go here in the, in the very near future is what I read. Yeah, 25%, you know, the Seattle staff there, you know, unfortunately – you know, were fired and, and, you know, had to part ways there with it Zillow. It makes you wonder, is that just the, just the team that was behind there or is that the, is everybody getting affected by that, it? That's a good point, Robbie. I mean, I, in my understanding, I would assume that it's probably that executive team that not only did those, those, you know, the iBuying, you know, program that they had, but from the articles I was reading as well before the podcast here and as I was doing my research here for you guys today, uh, I actually read a really interesting article that the way they were incentivizing their employees was actually on a on an hourly and a bonus uh, structure where basically they were paid a bonus for every home that they purchased, Robbie. So like if you if you were a Zillow employee, you weren't necessarily incentivized to get the best deal. You were really incentivized just to get the deal done, right? right. Just to buy the house. Which to me makes it seem like they were just trying to get a market share, right? It, well, They're trying it, to flood the market with Zillow, Zillow, Zillow and cut everybody else out. Yeah, but it's just it, it boggles my mind because you you would think you know the executive team at Zillow would would have a conversation like we are today about like hey if we incentivize our company here to you know only look at getting the deal done and buying that house with no regard at what you're purchasing it at it seems like that would be kind of one of the most important things is you know <laughs> not only buying it but just make sure you're buying it at a good price right i think we can all relate to that like who wouldn't want to get a better deal on something but if you're not incentivizing your employees to do so you can't really you know turn it around and and then fire all your employees for for not getting good deals i mean it, it's just it's yeah. crazy out there so um, kind of jumping, you know, switching gears here, unless you had anything to touch on on the Zillow side here, Robbie. Well, just in, in um, iBuyers in general, I thought it was interesting because obviously somebody at Zillow or a team at Zillow made a big mistake because some of these other iBuyer programs like Open Door and OfferPad, I mean, their stocks are going up still, right? So so who made the wrong decision there and where did they go wrong? Is, is somebody not running the numbers on their end? You would think with a company that big, they would have it figured out. So it's, it's going to it's gonna be interesting to see what develops with it here you yeah, know, in the near yeah, future. Yeah, it'll, it'll be really interesting to kind of see I, i'm really curious to see kind of how their stock price i mean as as we record this podcast today it's trading at 66.58 i'm really curious to see if they do rebound from this and you know four to five months or q1 q2 of 2022 if we're having this conversation maybe again on the podcast and you know they're back up at their original valuation at you know right around about 105.72 
Uh, for and sure. I imagine they would. They're a huge company, right? They're the number one source for buyers, and I'm sure they'll figure out a way to get into sellers' pockets as well. Let, how about we do this, Robbie? This is going to be a new segment we do on the on the podcast. Let's throw out a prediction. What do you? What would you say Zillow's stock is going to trade at? Uh, let's say end of Q1 of 2022, which is going to be March, let's say of 2022. What do you, what do you think Zillow's? 2022. What are we at today? Uh, today we sit at 66.58. So we'll say March of 2022. What do you, what do you think the stock price will trade out? That's a tough question. I'm going to, I'm going to give them a, I'm going to give them a bounce back of about 30%. Um, I don't think they'll, they'll be fully recovered by then, but I've, obviously they've got a huge team around them and it's going to take them a while to, to recoup some of that. Um, so I don't think it'll be a, it, it'll be a gradual, um, you know, re, uh, repair for them, I guess you could say. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll put them at, uh, we'll put them, we'll put them back up towards 75. 75. Okay. And I'm going to have to jump in. I, I think, ah, man, this is tough. I, I think ultimately they are going to see a little bit of a rebound, but I think with the, the recent data and kind of how they've been doing their, their profit and loss and kind of what they did on the accounting side, which if you guys are familiar, they actually included any properties they purchased as revenue. So I think what's going to happen in 2022, and it'll be curious to look back on this, but I think since they've inflated their revenue so much, I think they're actually going to go down still, um, or at least maintain their their current valuation right now. So I'm going to put them uh, March here of 2022 at let's say 65 to 68 dollars. I think they're going to kind of hover right around what they're at right now. With a lot of investors kind of scared at you know what their actual true revenue is going to be. Yeah. Uh, Keep in forward. mind as well, though, with this on that sixty-six percent loss, they're going to be able to write that off on their taxes. So yeah, so that means they, you know, theoretically aren't going to pay taxes probably in twenty twenty-two because they'll they'll show such a loss in twenty-one that they'll be basically in the green and and since you know they're not going to be paying that tax in twenty twenty-two because of the losses they suffered here in twenty-one. So. I think ultimately it's it's going to be interesting to see how this all works. Um, but switching gears, you know, let's let's kind of jump into what books have kind of changed our day to day lives, and you know, kind of how we stay motivated. Um, Robbie, are there any good books that you're listening to right now? Uh, yeah, so I'll touch on a couple here. Uh, the one I actually just started here a couple days ago is called the Five AM Club. Um, so I went in, uh, you guys know I use Audible here, so that's, that's my main source for audiobooks and everything. So I went into the library, um, went into the section, and, and I went into the section of time management because that's been the biggest thing that I've been struggling with here lately. Um, so the top title there, I just, I, I, yeah, I fell for the top title. I, I read a couple reviews, but I ended up settling on the 5 a.m. club. Um, and, and really the, the preface of the story is right in, right in the title, right? So it's, it's about you know, conquering your morning and, and starting every day with a win. So if you're able to you know, wake up at 5 a.m. every morning, you know, be up before, shoot, I don't know, 70% of the population or so, and you can conquer the things in the morning that you want to do, you have the time to get your lifts in, you get your runs in, you do your meditation, you think about the day ahead of you, you reflect on the past day. I think that I think that's so powerful, Robbie. And you know, something that I actually struggle with, and something that me and my mentor have been working on for me is like you know making sure that I'm getting up at 
like Robbie said, you know, 5 a.m., getting those workouts in, getting everything taken care of. So you are starting your day with a win. I think there's so much to be said on, you know, having that momentum throughout your day. When you are waking up early, you do stack a couple W's in the morning. Then, you, you know, you kind of transition to the rest of your day and it's not as stressful. It's your, your mind isn't as foggy as kind of what it would be if you were trying to do everything, you know, maybe at the end of your day or kind of squeeze it in, you know, throughout the day. Yeah. Um, which yeah, I mean, you're not being pulled in a million different directions in the morning, right? Nobody's going to be calling you before 8 a.m. Hopefully, hopefully you've set that standard for them. And so it's, it's really a time where you get to just take some time to yourself, right? Because for the rest of the night, especially in the real estate industry, I mean, we've got people calling us up until, shoot, yeah. I don't know, I have people calling me at 1030 at night sometimes. 10, 10, 1030, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And that's kind of something that, you know, I, I always try to do is set that expectation of, you know, when to reach out and, and kind of when not to. Um, but that, that'll be something we obviously get into in, in later podcast. Uh, w- one book that I've you know been reading currently right now is The Power of Now. And it's, it's kind of more on the spiritual side. And I was never really one to be, um, you know, into the kind of the spiritual books, but it's kind of something that I felt like I was lacking in, in a sense, and, and kind of decided to dive into that and really see, you know, if there was value in that and kind of what I could learn from it and, and grow on. And what I've found is that book has changed a lot for me. It really kind of makes me more present in the moment. Something I've been really trying to focus on um, is, is being in the, mo- in the moment, right? Um, and trying to be as present as I can in, in whatever I'm doing. And that really ties into real estate as well because I feel like that's really what helps you get you know, acquiring clients. If you are a realtor listening to this and maybe you struggle with acquiring clients, it's like, if you can put yourself, put, you know, put yourself in that present moment and make that client feel like they're the only one in the entire world that you're even thinking about or, or, you know, have any, any ties to, uh, it really kind of gives that, that, those people a sense of, you know, comfortability with you and, and kind of makes them, you know, want to work with you more in my opinion. So, the power of now is definitely something that I recommend. Um, Robbie, I'm going to have to jump on the 5 a.m. club for sure because I think that's a really good book as well, and that's going to be a, a game changer for us both. Yeah, I'm going to have to give the power of, power of now a shot as well. And I, I like that too because it teaches you to not get you know hung up on what happened yesterday and not stress about what's going to happen tomorrow, right? So yeah. the only thing that really exists is right now. Take advantage of it. Exactly. And what's, you know, either one of your favorite books or a close number two that, you know, really changed a lot of things in in the business world or maybe the personal world for you. And, you know, why is that your favorite book? Yeah. So one, I actually, I actually just got done reading this before I read the, or before I started the 5am club here. Um, It's called Getting to Yes by Roger Fisher and William Urie. Um, And really my main takeaway from that was separating people from the problem. So especially if you're in sales, there's a lot of numbers involved and there's typically a lot of emotions involved. And if you're able to kind of separate, you know, the, the people from the problem itself and you guys can attack the problem as, as, as a whole together and you're not really button heads in that sense, a lot of the times, especially in real estate here, they think it's really buyer versus seller, right? And it's kind of a competition to see who can win. When in reality, everybody wants to be working towards a win-win situation, and we want everybody to win in the transaction. And a lot of the times, that, that takes you, you know, taking the emotion out of the problem, 
um, or out of the situation or out of the transaction. Yeah, and I, I think, too, you know, that, that win-win situation is really where we see not only deals come together, but money being made on, on both ends, right, even on the sell side and even on the buy side. And I think we can all agree that, you know, at the end of the day, people are going to be buying, selling, and investing in real estate for who knows how long. I, I would imagine it'll never end. So as long as you're able to kind of separate yourself from, from the numbers, take the emotions out of things and really kind of look at the data and figure out like, okay, this is a win for me. It's a win for the seller. And it's all obviously a win for anyone in the future to that, you know, maybe that you sell that property to, or, or you purchase another property in the future. So, um, one for me, you know, my favorite all time book is going to be can't hurt me by David Goggins and something about David Goggins mentality really clicked for me. When I heard really what he's gone through and kind of why he is the way he is, if you guys haven't read that book uh, by David Goggins called You Can't Hurt Me, I think it's a must read for, for anyone, you know, whether you're in sales or, you know, you're in a nine to five job or you're in real estate or you're an investor or, or whatever you do. I think that book can provide so much value to the people listening um, that it's kind of a no brainer in that sense to, uh, to, you know, take the time and, and dive into it. So, um, that's my favorite probably of all time, uh, book. It's really changed a lot of things. Definitely and, a must read. Yeah, definitely de- a must read de- for anybody. Uh, absolutely. And I, I think too, it, it really shows people the way that you can kind of transform your life. So no, no matter where you're at right now, if you listen to the podcast and you know, you're in real estate or you're not, or really wherever you're at, I mean, we could all be in different situations in five to 10 years from now. Um, so any, any last, you know, closing thoughts on that, Robbie, that you wanted to touch on, on the book side, I I know we, we kind of just kind of give you guys a quick overview, talked about our, our books here, what we really like to read and and really what's changed a lot of things for us. Yeah. I mean, another, another just huge takeaway that, that I really would like to drive home with you guys is just, uh, you know, there's, there's always going to be exterior motives and, and other goals that you need to extract from your clients or your customers or or your buyers and sellers. Um, And if you can, if you can extract those in a, in a diligent way and lay those out on the table and you guys are able to tackle those issues together, you know, 10 times out of 10, you're going to end up in a win-win situation instead of the win-loss, which is what a lot of people are looking for. And, you know, a lot of people sometimes get caught up on, and if you're not winning, you're losing. And in this industry, you need to make sure everybody's winning, right? Yeah, no, and absolutely. And kind of switching gears on you guys to keep you, you know, on your toes here. Overcoming self-doubt was something that I think we all maybe faced. Um, you know, maybe you haven't, but at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of people really, when it comes down to it, you know, everyone's kind of struggles with this internal battle of really figuring out not only, you know, what maybe they, they doubt themselves on, but also really how to overcome it and how to grow and really how to achieve your, your dreams. So, um, to kind of touch on that, Robbie, what do you think about self doubt? Kind of how, how do you view it, view it? And, uh, what's one thing that you've done to, uh, to overcome that self doubt? Yeah. So self doubt, it's, it's always going to be there regardless of what level you're at. You could be a billionaire, you could have a hundred dollars in your bank account and there's always going to be self doubt and you're not always going to believe in yourself. Um, but what I've kind of found is, is typically when you've got some self-doubt that sticks around and maybe it's not just a funk that lasts for a couple of days and you really feel there's a skill or something that you're missing, um, it's really, that's really what it is. Maybe there's a, the, a skill or something that, that you know you need to improve on and that's where your self-doubt kind of comes from. 
Um, and there's there's ways to work on it. So we kind of touched on it in the last podcast. You know, there's there's TED talks, there's audio books, there's paperback books. Um, there's there's obviously podcasts like this, and and there's there's a million different ways that you can you know tackle those issues. So I think you know if you've got self doubt, you know, really find out why you've got that self doubt. Right? Is it about a certain situation or a certain topic? I would I would go as far as to say, and I would bet this you know hands down is a lot of people doubt themselves because they compare themselves to other people and one thing that really sticks with me that my mom told me when i was really really young that i've honestly kind of just remembered i I don't think i've ever shared this publicly before but my mom told me that there will always be someone no no matter what you do there's always going to be someone that has more money than you um that's in better shape than you that you know drives the car that you've always dreamed of And, and that goes for everyone that that even goes for millionaires and billionaires i mean Unless you're Jeff Bezos or, or Elon Musk, I mean, there's always going to be it's someone. It's there at every stage of the game. Exactly, it's always going to be there. So it, it just goes to say, like, don't you know, don't get so caught up in you know trying to be the best at, at everything you do. I, I think you can definitely strive to be the best, but just you know, come from it, come from a, a grounded point of view on that. Um, and then the second one is really just watching what you put in your mind, I think is so important, especially, you know, kind of how we touched on in in the first podcast. If you guys listen to that one is like, you know, there's so much negativity out there in the world and so many things kind of coming at us every day. Uh, what are you filtering and and what are you putting in your mind at, at the end of the day, I I think is really, really important. So kind of touch on that, Robbie, what do you like, what do you consume? You know, what do you, what, what podcast do you listen to? What audio book? or what do you just consume on a, on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so as far as audiobooks, I mean, most of the stuff I read is is just self-improvement. I don't really do much entertainment. I know do you do you, fiction? Do you do fiction books? No, I, the last fiction book I read was Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, actually, and that's also a super entertaining book. So there's definitely some lessons to be learned, but it's not really a self-help book. Um, I've thought I've I've heard so much about that one. I actually really want to read that one as well. I heard it was a really good read. I guess that no, it's not a fiction book, though, is it? I don't know. Is it? I don't a, know. It would be a. It would be no, a it's like an autobiography. Yeah, it's an autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't read fiction either. I, I don't. Um, I, I should maybe get more into it. I have a problem with. I just. I feel like I have to be learning when I consume content, and I don't know if anyone else out there relates with this. But like, even when I get home after a long day, it's like. I just kind of gravitate to something that I learn from, you know. Yeah, and, I, and if you're gonna watch a 15 minute YouTube video, why not have it teach you something? I mean, do you really want to watch somebody cook or look at cars or whatever the hell else you watch on YouTube? I mean, why not learn something? Exactly, and I think you know. And then on the flip side of that too, it's like sometimes you do need that time though to you know unplug and watch mindless TV or or you know a mindless YouTube video on some kid filling his pool with you know Orbeez or something. Yeah, it's, it's important just, to take the time to do both, right? Yeah. So, so figure out when those fit into your day and, and, and crush it, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, we've kind of touched on, you know, the Zillow, the books we've read and, and the self doubt here. If there's any recommendations you guys have for the podcast, feel free to, you know, let us know, shoot us a DM. We're actually going to link all of our social media accounts as well to this, this podcast down below. So check that out as well. Did you have any last parting shots before we let the audience get on with their day here? No, no. Hopefully you guys could learn something from us. And like we said, we like all of your feedback, positive or negative. If you guys have any topics or anything you'd like us to hit on or if you're curious about you know what's happening in our market here in Phoenix, 
always happy to answer any questions or concerns you guys might have for us. Absolutely. And thank you guys so much for listening to Young Money Mindset. This is episode number two. Luke Carecchia signing off here. Robbie Holy Cross signing off from the ground up. Oh.